Charged Up Studio listeners. I'm so glad you could join us here once again for Charged Up Studio. I'm Dan Olivo, your host for today's podcast and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. Today, my guest is a very dear friend of mine. We've been working together within the nonprofit arena for several years, and he brings a wealth of knowledge about the nonprofit arena that we currently play in. Hugh Ballou works with visionary leaders and their teams to develop a purpose-driven, high-performance culture that significantly increases productivity, profits, and job satisfaction through dramatically decreased confusion, conflicts, and under-functioning. With 40 years as musical conductor, Hugh uses the leadership skills utilized daily by the conductor in teaching relevant leadership skills, creating a culture that responds to the nuances of the leader as a skilled orchestra responds to the musical director while allowing each person to excel in their personal discipline while empowering the culture as a whole. So in his work, With social entrepreneurs and corporate executives for 32 plus years applying his unique transformational leadership concepts, he has developed comprehensive systems and strategies for empowering leadership leading social change. His books, ebooks, online programs, and live presentations have impact on leaders worldwide with his unique and proprietary leadership methodology that integrates strategy with performance, unlike the traditional consultant model. Welcome, Hugh. Hey there. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Getting there. We're uh, on the verge of a holiday weekend, so I'm packed uh, up, ready to go. I am ready myself. I'm going away with my sisters for three days. So it's going to be a nice sister's weekend. We're all getting tattoos. Okay. <laughs> 65 years old and I'm getting my second tattoo. <laughs> hey, what can I say? So as I indicated earlier, Hugh and I have been working for several years um, and we've worked with a few nonprofits in the past and Hugh, um, you bring a unique aspect to the leadership um, um, as the, the leadership form of building a nonprofit. Okay, so your career as a musical conductor, what does a conductor know about leadership? Well, when I first um, left conducting, I was a church musician and worked in uh, churches of all sizes and hired major orchestras in the cities where I lived because I had a big venue and kind of a big choir and a big orchestra. And so when I first left doing facilitation work and then went into coaching, somebody would say, well, what do you know about leadership? I said, well, a conductor does know about leadership. And basically we know what works in leadership because we've got a dedicated group of professionals. When you hire an orchestra, it's a union gig. You hire them for a certain amount of time you produce. If you don't, they're leaving anyway. So it's up to us, the leader, to utilize that time to accomplish the results that we want to accomplish. And it, it's not it's not optional. We got to do it because we got a performance coming up. 
Now, in business and nonprofit work, whatever our organization work is, we must focus on results because it's about the impact, especially in, in the work of synagogues, churches, nonprofits. It's the impact of our work. We're in the transformation business. We're transforming people's lives. So one of the, the main misconceptions about leadership is that the leader, the leader is a dictator. The conductor is a dictator. You tell everybody what to do. Well, let me tell you, I got this little white stick and I've got union professionals. I can't make them do anything. Right. What I can do, however, is I can influence them to perform to a higher standard. So it's the, the results are a reflection of the leader. The culture is a reflection of the leader and it's built on relationships. So I'm able to help people. Maybe they've been in a choir or an orchestra, maybe not, but most everybody has seen a choir or an orchestra and they understand the dynamic. And what happens is that we create a space for everybody to perform at a higher level. And, and as you know, the conductor doesn't play the parts, doesn't play the instruments, the conductor leads the group. So that's what a conductor knows about leadership. Well, when you think about it and you put it in those terms, what comes to mind as far as, you know, I'm concerned is, you know, on the business side of things, nonprofit or for-profit, all right, is the fact that the leader that brings all of these people and, and help them perform at their highest level, that is your... Um, uh, what am I thinking? It's, it's your, the person who can see the big picture. Okay. You can see the big picture. It's your innovator. And what you're doing as an innovator is you're parsing out all those different parts that are going to come together to ultimately, like you said, bring the results. We're innovators. We're visionaries. Right. Um, we, we have to pay attention to the tactics but the tactics in the absence of an overall strategy conflict with each other. Yes, and exactly. So people want to, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. What's your overall strategy? Oh, I don't have time for that. We're busy. We've got to get this done. Well, you're shooting yourself in the foot. When um, transformational leadership is the form of leadership, which I champion, and it's about a culture of high-performing leaders. The leader is the visionary. The leader communicates that vision and the leader empowers others to follow, to, to fulfill that vision. And we don't, we're not doers, we're leaders. We right. certainly can do, we know how it's done. We observe what's going on and we make corrections, but we point people toward results and we empower them to get there. Exactly. So we talked, you talked a little bit about the innovator, the leader and the tactical, the tactical, not working without the strategy and things like that, you know, um, we can't do tactical elements. We can't incorporate those tactical action steps unless we know where we're going. And that's where your strategy comes into play, right? We can, we can, we can put them in the work, but you know, we have so many, <clears throat> they're going to, there's going to be conflicts and they're going to cancel each other out. If we don't have that, that railroad tracks of the, the process that we put into place with a strategy. Now, in my world, a business plan is a financial document. You have an executive summary, 
when you're first looking at funding, let's picture, okay, give me your plan. Okay. The business plan talks about the business. Now we're in the profit of church. We're in the business of church, business and nonprofit. It's a for purpose business. Right. The other side is a for profit business. We right. are called nonprofit because that's not the goal. However, we do generate revenue. And, oh, and, and you've said, yeah, and you've said before, you know, that um, what people don't understand is nonprofit does not mean you're not making profit. We, yeah, and, and people get hung up on that. So I just say proceeds. We have to have a positive cash flow, we have to have proceeds to fund the operations. And we, we tend to minimize the fact that we need to generate money, but we struggle with paying the bills. Right. And so the word nonprofit in itself is a danger because it, it puts us into this scarcity thinking when we really need to have an abundance mentality because we have abundance and money is a renewable resource. We have plenty of volunteers who would connect with their passion if we're able to tell them why it's important and here's what you can do because we have a strategy and that way it's, it's also the strategy is an engagement tool. Right. So boards sometimes come together and they talk about goals and they go great and they leave. Well, everybody on your board ought to be tied to a committee with a goal related to the organization's goal. Right. That way there's a, there's a movement forward. Transformational leadership was modeled after the military. Whether you support the military or not, it is, it is a system that works. You can't micromanage people in combat. Uh, mm -hmm. We can't micromanage orchestra players or singers in a concert. We must do our work ahead of time. And so the fallacy in, in organizations of all kinds and the, the, the downfall of leaders is we're going to manage it as we go. Well, we have to rehearse and our, we're, we're on performance every day. Right. And there, there's things we do in music that we don't do in enterprise, like the best ensembles in the world rehearse for every performance. Well, Dana, have you ever attended a boring, unproductive meeting? And, and the people there think, oh, well, this is normal and we're going to get things done anyway. You're setting a low standard and you're, you're installing the DNA of low performance when it ought to be just the opposite. And that's exactly it. You know, we've, like I said, we've worked together before um, and, and, you know, I've assumed the role more on the tactical accountability side of things, because that's where we have found that a lot of nonprofits run into problems. What's the biggest challenge leaders face today? Let me expand on that, Nana. Um, in the strategy, you define where you want to go. You have your goals, you have your action items, you have who's assigned to them. Now, that's a piece of paper. And so where the handoff is with you is you have tracking mechanisms, you have project implementation, you have ways that people can have accountabilities. Well, we're afraid of accountabilities when accountabilities are the magic piece that makes it work. Right. As a matter of fact, I've reframed the SMART goal, uh, specific, measurable, accountable. That's the missing piece that makes it work. Right. It is realistic because we have resources to do it and, and it happens in a specific time. So the, having a, a person that's a process person like you to nurture process, we want to think accountability is a baseball bat when really the other side of accountability is when you state 
with the group openly where you're going as a right. as each committee or person on the staff, people know how to support it. And people can say time after time after time when I have multi-committees working together, oh, give me that piece. I can do it as a result of what I'm already doing. Right. So there's right. a there's independence, but there's also an interdependence. So the, the biggest challenge, I think, uh, that's one of the pitfalls of leadership. But the biggest challenge, as you ask, is leaders thinking they know leadership and they think they've a, it's an arrival point rather than a continuum of ongoing personal development. So our personal growth is, is, is essential because our organizations will not grow if we don't grow. So the, the biggest challenge is we get sucked into the vortex of activities and don't segment our day. We don't balance the work time, the planning time, the thinking time, the revising time, the nurture time with the team. We don't segment our day into the components that make things work because we're, here's the number one default of leadership. We over function. I see it in every segment. Leaders do things that others could do. Right. And in a volunteer organization like a religious or, or, or nonprofit, you're taking the opportunity from somebody who could fulfill their passion. And we think we're helping and we're not bothering them. And they get frustrated because they've shown up because they want to do something. So over-functioning creates the reciprocity of under-functioning. And leaders complain about why didn't my, why don't my volunteers step up? Why didn't my board do this? We're telling them in a very subtle way, maybe a very direct way, don't do it. I'm going to do it. And then they're standing there twiddling their thumbs being frustrated. And sometimes they get angry about that. Huh. Well, you know, um, one of the things that we have noticed in the past that a lot of these leaders will struggle with is the funding aspect. And that funding portion of it is the only thing that these companies have to go on in order to meet their monthly bills. And a lot of times what happens is they focus on the big money coming from, say, different organizations or nonprofit areas or from the federal government, and they don't focus enough on the donor money. The donor money is your gift money that comes in that's going to meet your monthly bills. What do you say about that? Because we were talking about, we were talking yesterday, I think it was, with a couple of gentlemen um, who have the connections to the funding money, and they made a point of stating that their people are not going to fund nonprofits that do not have a solid plan in place. Yes. Um, the challenge is that the organization isn't fundable. Now, we have in our mind the value of what we do. We have not, if we haven't communicated it and we haven't communicated the impact, the results of our work, then people are not going to give us any money. And we do chase the big grant. We do chase the big corporate donor. Well, those can flip and you lose a bunch of money where the stable income is just like you say, the individual donors, 60 to 70% of majority of nonprofits income is from private donors. And we think, oh, a grant's going to be a magic pill. It's going to give us the money. Well, that's what the, the foundation, the grantor wants to see happen. It may not be what you want to do. 
And by the way, is that going to strengthen your organization to be able to do more, to perform better, to be able to attract income from other sources? The grants are not evergreen funding and they don't fund operations. Many of them will say right on it. So the, the challenge with leaders and funding is understanding why funders would care to support them. And you're exactly right. Uh, private foundations and individuals have money to fund, and they're not about to write a check for any amount to an organization that's not worthy. And, and so our first duty in the light is to develop our systems so that a donor understands they're really going to accomplish things. We focus on what we do, which is wrong. We should start with why. Why do we exist? What's the problem? What's our solution? Why, is it, why are we different from other solutions? And then lastly, here's the results. Impact is what attracts the money. And I think the, the leadership issue here is failing to understand that. And you've got to do the work of defining those pieces. And I hear people say all the time, well, I don't have time to write that plan. There's work to do. Wait a minute. You complain that you don't have money, but you're not willing to do the work to attract the money. What's wrong with this picture? There's an upfront cost of the heavy lifting and the planning piece. And then you give it a trial run. And then you get better at telling people, we're not asking for money. We're telling people that this is a good way for them to leverage their assets to see the results they have a passion for. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and these donors don't necessarily always come with funds. They may be coming in with their volunteer hours. You know, you've got to look at these donors in several different categories, right? I think the umbrella for this is supporter. You know, yeah. you there's there's three there's three. We always ask for time, talent, and money. Um, right. You can say your treasure, time, talent, treasure gets the three T alliteration there. It's multiple, and people can do all of those or any of those. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, definitely. So, what is the most damaging misconception about leading? Well, that that it's about what we do, and it's really, and that it's about power. We, we want to lead, well, I'm the boss, I'm the conductor, I've got the stick, I can make you do things. Well, if you beat up on the orchestra, they're going to get even in rehearsal. And I've seen very famous conductors get embarrassed because they were really mean to an orchestra in rehearsal. Um, so it's, there's, a power, there's a power struggle. There's also power differential. We're on a box. We got this penguin suit on. We got the title. That's a power position. It's much better to lead from influence. So fundamentally, um, we're flawed because we don't realize that we influence people and we have the choice. We influence them positively. We influence them negatively. We have a choice. And so as we influence people, it's based on relationship. So the foundation of leadership, the foundation of communications, and the foundation of revenue, whether you're selling a product or you're seeking donations or financial support, it's all based on relationship. So here's where we want to go. You got, you got mental capital. This is where you want to go. You want to end up with financial capital on the funding side. Well, in the middle, there's relationship capital. And we want to skip over that or short change. Hi, how you doing as a family? Give me some money. Well, um, Supporters, corporate, especially corporations, 
they don't want to be treated like an ATM machine. Boom, boom, see you later. There's a whole cultivation process and there's a whole relationship process. And it's important for us to know what people are interested in. They're going to join your board because they're interested in serving. Well, what's their specific interest? Have you spent enough time with people to understand why they would serve? And if you talk somebody into serving and they don't really have a connection, they don't really have a buy-in and they don't have a passion for it, that's not going to be a good fit. And you're going to complain that they're not really performing up to a standard. Well, whose fault is it? You you talk somebody into something and they were just trying to say, I don't really want to do it. But if you, you know, you beat them down, they finally say, oh, okay, I'll do it. Then they don't perform. That's not a good scenario. So we're desperate for people. And so we take whatever we get rather than setting a higher standard, say, we're going to take applications for the board. Um, here's, here's where you apply and making it very profound. We have enough very boring presentations. There's a formula we go into and we think this is what we should say rather than speaking from the heart about those four points that I said, the problem, solution, our unique uh, value proposition and the, the impact, rather than being very good about creating powerful statements, we just kind of dribble it out as an afterthought. Well, we're going to get minimal results if we don't invest in the process of the language and the skills to communicate with people and then build those relationships. The other piece, Dana, as you know, uh, when you ask somebody, oh, what you doing? 20 minutes later, they're still talking without a breath. Yeah. (laughs) Or a pause or comma or period, anything. So a confused mind says no. Whether you want them to serve on the board or give you money or do whatever, if they're confused, it's going to be an automatic no. And so it's our... Our job to simplify it and communicate it. And if they want to know more, then we can go to the next level. Well, and that's exactly what gets them off off path as well. That confused mind and they start thinking that, you know, oh, you know, uh, maybe we can go do this golf tournament or we can do this and that'll bring money in. What you're doing is you're taking your your eye off the the end game as far as that's concerned. So, you know, and we've had that happen in the past. Um, when you were talking about the board of directors, you know, if, if a nonprofit is looking to interview for the board of directors, what are the responsibilities that they should be expecting out of this board? First of all, we want to make sure that when people hear us, they're not spelling it B-O-R-E-D in their mind. So, you know, there's all kind of jokes about the board. Um, so the it, it's it's service. Um, I'm, I'm a member of Rotary, and Rotary is a service organization, and it's service above self. And we try to sell it on the benefits. Oh, you'll meet people. You'll when really we want to tell people you've got a skill, you can contribute with these other skills. And it's going to bring this kind of impact. It's the same presentation as the money presentation. Same thing. By the way, if you have a board member that's not donating, they're not going to help you raise money. They're not going to be functioning up and they're going to be in the way and disqualify you from getting a grant even considered. It's very competitive with grants anyway. 
But if you got board members that aren't donating, boom, they don't even read any further. That's that's the the deal breaker. Um, but but it's it's a partnership. People show up, and it's it's just like hiring somebody for a staff position. They have a position description. So I'm I'm, I'm the treasurer. So we're we're gonna. Uh, want you to apply for the treasurer position because they apply because it needs to go before the board and voted on. So apply for this. We want to present this to the board. Well, here's your role. We don't think about this, your role and your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So the treasurer is to fine tune the reports from the bookkeeper, from the accountant, present it to the board in a fashion that the board can understand it and interpret what those numbers mean. They don't keep the books. They don't raise the money. They are the person that looks at the money and presents at the board because the board is responsible for what happens to the money. And Mm -hmm. if they don't understand where the money goes and the flow of the money, they don't understand one, the need for more funding. They don't, they don't understand where it all went and they don't understand how many days you got left till you're broke. So there's a numbers of ways that board members who are not financial specialists as a rule need to understand the financials. And back to what we, I was talking about before, you don't give them 20 pages or 90 pages of printouts, give them a summary sheet and then some details. And then if they want more, then you can provide details because our financials in a nonprofit are public information. You mm-hmm. can find a 990 form, a tax form, uh, on any nonprofit online. So it's it, we have this transparent accountability, which is a good thing. It's a real good thing. So the role and responsibility of the treasurer is very specific. It's written in the bylaws of the organization, and we voted on it as a board. The board runs the organization. It, the, the board doesn't do the day-by-day, but it's responsible for the overall organizations. I said that incorrectly. They don't run the day-to-day. The board is responsible for the governance. This is how it runs. Oversight. Yep. Uh, the uh, contracts and agreements. So governance, it's all under that. And then they're responsible for the finances. And so that takes the burden off of the leader who has to do some day-to-day decisions, but the leader, the executive director reports to the board and the board has some parameters. So the board responsibilities are very serious. And so coming on, it's serious. And when, when we're talking to people, they're going to, if it's not clear what the, what the work is and the benefit of the work for philanthropy is the love of humankind, that if this is philanthropy, we're asking people to be a philanthropist, which is not about money. It's about service. And so we're, we, when we get a, a, a pushback, how much time is it going to take? That means they don't really get it, that we've not done a good job of making it a compelling offer. So that's that's sort of a summary. Okay. So what are some of the blind spots of leaders and how do they find their blind spots? You know, that's the mystery of life. I love <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in a group and I'm talking about uh, my leadership principles, which I'd like to share. And I, and I mean, I'm talking about my leadership principles. And I say, wait a minute, before we get started, how many, and I ask people, raise your hands if you know where your blind spots are. There's always somebody. Get there. I know my blind spots. No, you don't. They're, they're blind spots. <laughs> uh, so there's things that we do, we say, and we create unintended consequences 
by our actions, by our words. And, and we need to see that for what it is. Now, it's not blame. It's revealing ways we can improve our leadership. I have a coach. I do leadership. I have a leadership coach. I have a marketing coach. Um, I have an organizational development coach. I teach these things. You'd think, well, gosh, you know this. Why do you need a coach? You always need to be accountable to somebody to stay at the top of your game and to continue pushing, pushing that up. It's like I said before, leadership is not an arrival point. It's a journey. And it's an ongoing body of research that you embed into your DNA and you become better as you learn more. I'll be 75 in three weeks. And I've learned more this year than I learned in the first 74 years of my life, first 73. Um, If we're paying attention, there's things there. And we learn from ourselves. I've been able to pivot mistakes into learning opportunities. And it's only a failure if we fail to learn from that. So blind spots are what kill us. And if, if, if somebody's leading and said, no, nah, I got it down. I don't need to do study. I don't need to read books. I don't need a coach. That's dangerous. We always need another perspective to, uh, to be our best self and to say, oh, I didn't realize that word would have that impact on people. I better rethink that. Yeah. So today's, today's controversial times, we have to be very clear when we yeah. communicate. Definitely, definitely. And uh, so you call yourself a transformational leadership strategist. How is that different from being a consultant? I left in 2004, I left full-time church music conducting. And well, I did, it was a lot more than that. So I, when I left, I wrote a book, my first book, Moving Spirits, Building Lives, the conductor as transformational leader. We do transform singers in the choir choirs and ensembles. And in a religious setting, we're transforming people's lives. So we're in the business of transformation. We, we really don't think about what our product is in a, in a specific way. Our product is, no, it isn't poverty, it's prosperity. I'm in one of the highest uh, percentage of poverty in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And all the initiatives are poverty this, poverty that. We give energy to what we think about. So I left that and I, I, I studied facilitation, got certified in facilitation, um, learned how to run meetings that aren't boring, that are productive, that people really enjoy. And they say, when's the next one? Well, most people think they know how to run meetings, which is a huge blind spot because they've never been in a well-run meeting. It's like running a rehearsal. You run it toward results. Then we have these teams that would create great ideas, great plans. Here's where we are. They're bought in. The leader didn't understand that they had the, they had some energy and the leader could use that energy to accomplish the vision. They thought delegation was a weakness in leadership that other people had ideas. That mean that was bad for them. They're supposed to have all the answers. Well, that's totally backwards. So then I went into thinking about leadership coaching, which I studied coaching and got certified in coaching. Then, then I realized, well, it's really not about coaching. It's about the strategy and the integration of strategy into performance. Now, that's a leadership continuum. How do we clarify the plan? How do we get buy-in with the team? Then how do we take these little dots on paper and integrate them into beautiful sounds? How do we take these words on a piece of paper we call a plan? and make it work. 
So you've got a piece of paper. It's your job to integrate that in a performance. So it's transformation, it's leading, and it's strategy. So put those together. And people say, well, what is that? So that's a long explanation, but it's it's the ability to create the strategy and integrate it into a performance like a conductor does. And so I build this around Hubaloo's four leadership principles. And when I left full-time church church work, it was there were a lot of facets. You don't just stand up and wave your arms. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's 10%. So any any business or enterprise that you run, what you do, what you offer, your product, your service is 10%. The Baloo 1090, 10% is what you do. Your intellectual property, your, your value to humanity, your skill. 90% is all the structure that makes that possible. So you build around these four leadership principles. Number one, the conductor steps on the podium, podium, stand on a podium. You know the score. This is your plan. You know it. You don't just say, well, where do we start? No, you know it. You have a plan. You have a vision. This is what I want it to look like. So you've got the clear vision. It's called foundations. Your first principle is foundations. You've got the plan. You understand the plan. You've got an implementation strategy and you've got the ability. So it's plan and skill. Number two, you don't want to have poor players. So you hire the best. Surround yourself with the best people, build and maintain Second is, is relationships. Foundation is what you're doing. Relationship is who's going to do it. So we have to have the ability from that first one to lead the group. So you get worthy work, you get good people. And three, when we put them into systems that don't function like bad meetings, like the annual review, like the hiring process, we have a lot of low functioning systems in every organization. <clears throat> so this one is rehearse for success. So the music term Know the, know the score, hire the best, rehearse for success. If we constantly have poor systems, we're building the DNA of low performance. How do we expect to have a high performance result if we award? Well, they're volunteers. We have to be nice to them. I don't want to criticize. I work with volunteers all my life. I've fired volunteers. I've asked volunteers to step up. They don't want to do poor work. So we have lots of erroneous assumptions, myths we tell ourselves. No, we want to have people at their best. They want to be at their best and they want to create good results. So we've got worthy work, the foundation. We've got good people, relationships. We've got systems that we can now function in. And the fourth one makes those three work. That's balance. There's rests in music. So value the rests. There's dramatic places. It's not absence of sound. It's where we get clarity for all that emotion and we set up the next place. So value the rest. If we work all the time, people brag about, oh, I work 15 hour days, seven days a week, haven't had a vacation for years, brag about it. No, you're burned out. You're not as good as you could be. So pace your day, pace your life, draw some boundaries, personal work, personal and work spiritual, mental, physical, our whole being, balance that and schedule. You're working here, you're planning here, you're evaluating here, you're working with team here, and you're playing. Maybe you're going to rest. All of those components are on your schedule because all of those contribute to your success. So foundations, where you're going, relationships, good people, systems, make it work and then balance. Make sure you're the best leader and you're prepared and you're capable of going and you're rested and on. 
Excellent, Hugh. So we're coming to the end of another episode. Um, Hugh, one of the things that we like to do at Charged Up Studio is to periodically rope our most interesting guests into agreeing to a 40-minute webinar for those users who would like to learn, or some of our listeners that would like to learn a little bit more. Is this something that you would be interested in? How can I say no with everybody watching? No, and I just put you on the spot here, huh? <laughs> so, sure, uh, sure. Sure, okay, good. Well, you heard it here, folks. Hugh will be joining us again soon through my organization, Marketatomy, to present a more in-depth webinar for those who are interested in learning more about both Hugh and his organization, Cinevision. Um, Check with our event calendar through Marketatomy Academy to find out more about when this webinar will take place. We should have it finalized within the next week or so. So, Hugh, any more, any last minute words of wisdom or something you'd like to offer our listeners out there? Well, the famous quote, and I can't remember who said it, is you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So we I think that was Thomas the Train. Oh, is it? Yes. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. Um, so Napoleon Hill discovered when he interviewed all of those famous people that they had this no fail attitude. They had a clear vision, definiteness of purpose. They had a worthy project. They surrounded themselves with good people and they had this no fail attitude. We will succeed And that your energy, your focus, your planning gives energy and it actually attracts results. So you program your mind with those positive results and it's going to happen. It's happened to me over and over things that should never have materialized happened because I had done the work, I had shared it, and I knew it goes beyond believing. I knew because I'd done the work, it was going to happen and it has materialized. So believe in yourself, do the work, and know that you're going to succeed. So, can you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to? Well, hughballoo.com, H U G H B A L L O U. And if that's the Center Vision business website, and if you're in a nonprofit and you want to look at our community, it's nonprofitcommunity.org, nonprofitcommunity.org. In all of those places, you can find my contact information. I'm very visible, Dana. I know that. I know that. Well, I want to thank you once again, Hugh, for joining me today on Charged Up Studio to kind of, you know, let's get it out there as far as nonprofits and and what abilities that they have. Um, Please make sure to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery platform you are listening to us today or go to Charged Up Studio uh, to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. We appreciate you once again for joining us this week. Thank you, Hugh. And that is it. We'll talk to you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.